It's the Monday Mailbag. You've got questions about the Milwaukee Brewers outfield, what the White Sox lineup looks like at the end of 2023, and how to study prospects exactly. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And as we do every Monday, this entire episode is made out of questions from you, the listeners. Reminder, if you have questions for the Monday Mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. First one comes from Helmut on Twitter. Interesting question here. I really, I really kind of like this. What does Milwaukee do in the outfield after the Hunter Renfro trade? And does this Jerry Ruiz finally get a shot? So, quick recap. Hunter Renfro goes to the Angels for three mid-level pitching prospects. We'll get to them a little bit later. But in the meantime, uh, Milwaukee's got a ton of outfielders now. Like, even with moving Hunter Renfro. And when I say ton of outfielders, I don't necessarily mean on the 40-man roster. The 40-man roster is Christian Yelich, uh, Garrett Mitchell, who was promoted last year, Esturi Ruiz, who was promoted last year, and Tyrone Taylor. Like, that's it as of right now. But they also just recently signed Blake Perkins, a career minor leaguer. They signed him to a major league deal, a little bit surprisingly. 2015 second rounder from the Nationals. And then the top of the farm system has a bunch of of outfielders. So the way I kind of see this shaking down to st- open the season is Blake Perkins is your fourth outfielder. Uh, he hasn't actually debuted in the big leagues yet. Uh, he was drafted in 2015 in the second round by the Nationals, but he spent time with a couple different organizations. He's been he's been with the Nationals, he's been with the Yankees, the Royals, and glove first player, I mean plus defender in center field, above average arm offensively, he's just a little bit limited. His career minor league numbers, over like 600-something games. He's 25 years old. Uh, 234, 339, 346. 43 home runs and 665 career games. So, fits that defensive replacement, fourth outfielder role kind of well. And that's where, you know, he was signed to a major league deal, so I'm assuming he's going to start at the big league level. I think that's the role for a Blake Perkins. And so how you configure the outfield with everybody else, the thought process to me to open is Kristen Yelich is in left. And that's just something where Kristen Yelich is going to be in left for the foreseeable future because Kristen Yelich is making a ton of money. And he's not the potential MVP that he used to be, but he absolutely is still a useful player. I mean, last year, 252, 355, 383. Uh, 14 home runs, 19 stolen bases. He is still a useful player. Is he worth the giant contract? Probably not. Can you find somebody to take him without having to attach a prospect to him to get rid of him? Probably not. So I think I think Kristen Yelich is sticking in left field for a while for the Brewers. But then outside of that, I could very much see an opening day kind of thing of Garrett Mitchell in center and then Tyrone Taylor in right field with Asturi Ruiz as the utility man. Uh, and this is, I'm a fan of Asturi Ruiz. 
But when he got called up last year and you, you see, saw like how little he got to play, it's, it's a situation where I don't think they view Estuary Ruiz as an everyday player. Uh, once they acquired him uh, from the Padres, they brought him up. I think he played in like three games after they got him. Uh, just not a situation. I mean, they used him in center. They used him in, in, uh, in left. It's just not a situation where he, it feels like he factors into their everyday plans. And I think Asheri Ruiz benefits you because he can play a lot of different positions, right? He can play uh, infield. He can play outfield. Is he gr- amazing at any of them? Not necessarily. But he's a guy you can rotate around and useful to have on your bench. And he'll probably play three, four days a week. But I like Garrett Mitchell a lot for, I mean, for a lot of different reasons. One, he's one of the fastest players that I've seen in professional baseball. I mean, I'm, it's always hard to be like Billy Hamilton speed, but I mean, he, he, he reminds me of that similar, he, he's in that, that stratosphere. Yeah, it's not just like a, yeah, he's fast. I mean, he, I'd give him an 80 grade on speed. Uh, above average defense, plus, if not plus defense, plus arm, really good range. And then this year, uh, when Garrett Mitchell was up, he got just about a month in, 28 games, he batted 311, 373, 459. Two home runs, five extra base hits. Wasn't all perfect. He struck out 28 times to six walks, but uh, was eighth rate on stolen bases. Really showed the speed, really showed the what he could do athletically. Very good athlete. And so I think at least to open the season, he's your everyday center fielder. Uh, Tyrone Taylor, uh, I've read some things about him being a trade candidate. I think as of now, assuming he doesn't get traded, and this is traded because there's so many outfielders, you're looking at him opening the season in right field. Now, I don't think this is the final configuration of this outfield. I think there's a lot of different ways you can go with this because you've got a lot of top prospects who are outfielders. And this doesn't count Jackson Jurio. He got a brief glimpse of double A last year, but he's, I mean, he's 18, 19 years old. This is not counting Jackson Jurio in outfielders who could play out of the minors for the Brewers next year. But you've got a South Relic. 2021 first rounder out of Boston College, smaller guy, 5'9", 175, but has, a, has flashy speed to go along with that. Actually had a very good year last year, was in high A, double A, triple A, got about 50 games in double A Biloxi and about 45 games in triple A Nashville. So it feels like they're just about ready to use him. And in triple A Nashville, with the sounds, 365, 435, 508, four home runs, 17 extra base hits. There's that speed again. 9 to 12 on stolen bases. I don't think... They have him as the number two prospect in the system by a lot of places. It'll be Pipeline, Baseball America. I don't necessarily think Sal Frelick is uh, as good as they expect. The arm strength to me is fringe to average. Uh, I think he's going to be limited on power potential. Uh, he is incredibly fast. He does have above average defense. So there is that. I mean, he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, his his last year of, of college. And so, good defender, but I don't think the ceiling as, is as high on Sal Frelick as a lot of other prospect evaluators do. I do think that they would rather have him in center and, and Mitchell in, in right than have Mitchell in center and Frelick in right. Uh, if you're going to take a center fielder, they're going to use the guy with less power, and I think that's going to be Frelick, despite him having a 500 slugging in Nashville. I do think that he is a candidate if you're going to move one of these top prospect outfielders, knowing that you have Churio coming up behind you, 
You know, so you have a Mitchell up now, a Frelick should be up next year, Joey Weimer should be up next year, and then Jackson Churio behind them. I think Frelick's the guy that I move. Uh, there's been rumors about fit in the clubhouse and things like that. Don't want to rehash that here, but uh, looking at having three or four outfielders there, plus stuck with Yelich for a couple years, I mean, even if you move Yelich to DH, you still have have three spots for at least five guys. Frelick's the one I'm probably moving, and if that's the case, there's a situation where you have Mitchell in center and you have a Joey Weimer in right field. Uh, he also was spent time in AA and AAA last year, 2024th rounder out of Cincinnati. Physically could not be any different from Sal Frelick. 6'5", 215, big boy, power is his thing. 43 games in AAA last year, 287, 368, 520. Six home runs, 22 extra base hits, 34 strikeouts to 21 walks. And to me, the extra power in there, despite the fact that he's probably, I mean, cannon for an arm, but probably best suited to right field, although I think he could play center field at an average to above average level. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd be a plus defender in right. And again, massive, massive arm, probably another 80 grade out there in the outfield. I think you're ultimately your, your best outfield configuration you can make next season is Mitchell in center, Weimer in right for the power, Yelich in left, or if you want to keep all three of those guys, do something like DH with Yelich to keep them healthy. And you have Weimer, Mitchell, and Frelick as your outfielders. Frelick's in center. Uh, both, both Weimer and Mitchell have plus arms, but Weimer's is bigger, so I guess Weimer's in right. Kind of hard to figure out exactly where to do that. But either way, you in essence have two and a half center fielders in your outfield. You have power from your corners. You have speed and on base from your center fielder. So best configuration is probably uh, left to right, Mitchell, Frelick, Weimer. More likely setup is Yelich in left and then either Frelick or Mitchell in center. Again, if it's me, I'm probably moving South Frelick in one of these deals, but that's just me. And just a minute, I want to get to a question from Matt about the Chicago White Sox and what they do with their lineup next year. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. They've got football, both college and pro. They've got basketball, men and women in college, and men and women in pro. Uh, they've got soccer. World Cup's going on right now. They've got esports. They've got everything at betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And then if you are just sticking to baseball, you can go out there and look at some of the props they have for free agency. So like right now, Aaron Judge's next team, if not the Yankees, the, the four favorites are Giants plus 200, Dodgers plus 300, Mets plus 600, and Cardinals plus 800. Carlos Correa is favored to go to the Cubs at plus 250. Then the Twins at plus 500, the Giants at plus 600, and the Cardinals at plus 650. Jacob deGrom, if not a Met, is Braves plus 150, Yankees plus 350, Dodgers plus 400. I mean, you can just go in there and follow all the Justin Verlander, if not the Astros, Mets plus 375, Yankees plus 400, Dodgers plus 450. So like, you can go out and you can see where Vegas and their informed opinions think guys are going to go and what might happen. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so a question from Matt on Twitter. What does the White Sox lineup look like by the 
end of 2023? I think it's a very good question. There's a lot of a lot of things you can do here. And I think the 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 best option for the White Sox when it comes to working on their lineup is throwing some money at it. Internally, there's not a ton of options for no doubt slam dunk upgrades out of the farm system. So Adam Engel is leaving. AJ Pollock is leaving. Both of these guys have, you know, they're 30 or above, and they're either not being provided the contract or they've declined the option and they're going to free agency. And then combine that with Andrew Vaughn, they have decided and admitted that, okay, yes, Andrew Vaughn is a first baseman. Andrew Vaughn is not, is really out of position as an outfielder. Defensively, he was, he was not great in the outfield. Uh, I, I did read something, a fan blog, the other day that call, said he was the worst defensive outfielder in the sport. Feels a little harsh, but uh, he wasn't great defensively. So they are moving him full-time to first base. And then Eloy Jimenez has been in the corner, but he profiles better as a DH. He closed the year out last year, DH, and I feel like more than playing in left field. And so if you look at the lineup and kind of the things that are set right now, Luis Robert, set in center field. Okay. Uh, Jimenez, either left field or DH. Uh, catcher, Yasmani Grandal. That feels like it's pretty set. Third base, Juan Moncada. Feels like that's pretty set. Sword stop, Tim Anderson. That's pretty set. Andrew Vaughn at first base. You're set there. So you're looking at second base, uh, right field, and then to a lesser extent, left field. I do think you have an option internally for right field. It's a guy we've talked about before. Oscar Colas, I hope I'm, pronoun- I'm, pro- I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, but came over from Cuba and last year spent time in high A, double A, and briefly in triple A. 314, 371, 524, 23 home runs, uh, 51 extra base hits, 120 strikeouts to 38 walks. So, you know, still has, still has a little bit of swing and miss and issues there, and part of it is because uh, he wasn't getting tested against age-appropriate pitching before he debuted stateside and when he was playing for Cuba and for, for Japan when he was younger. So he's done some physical transformations, improved his body, had a good year, and I think that he's going to settle in as the right fielder. Plus arm, average to above average hitter, but plus power potential. Can absolutely crush a ball. And so, and like, and they're not opposed to him starting the year in right field, uh, the general manager, because uh, Han said, you know, I don't think opening day is necessarily too much of an ask. Obviously, there'll be offseason check-ins as well. We'll see where the progress is. But he impressed us last year and is on a real good trajectory to contribute in a meaningful way as soon as next year. So I absolutely think that uh, your option there is you're going to promote him. Now, left field, this is where I think a free agent needs to come in. Um, it probably should be a lefty. You can bring in to, to play left field or bring in a, someone to play center and move Luis Robert to left field. So uh, thought process for me, I mean, I, I don't think Aaron Judge is going to happen. That's just that the, the money's not going to happen. Brandon Nimmo, money's not going to happen there. I don't think they're going to want to get into a bidding war for a guy like a Cody Bellinger. I think your best bets as far as guys that they might sign would be Andrew Benatendi who was traded from the Royals to the Yankees last year. Uh, Michael Conforto, who missed the entire year because he got injured and had shoulder surgery. Uh, Or Michael Brantley, 
leaving the Astros on the back side of his career. I think he's 35 or so. Um, I, did, I don't know necessarily if he could play the outfield every day. I think that might be a little bit too much to ask for at age 35. And so I'm not sure if, if that's going to happen or not. If you're looking at potential trades, I think a Juris and Profar from the Padres makes a lot of sense. He can play left field. He can play second as well. And so it helps with that because second base, you don't necessarily have a prospect high in the system who's ready to come in and play second base. Um, Colson Montgomery was stretched to go to Project Birmingham in AA last year. Uh, he's going to, at best, go back to AA to start the year next year. I mean, you have a Romy Gonzalez, a Lennon Sosa. You have a couple guys you can mix and match around, but nobody really screams upgrade at second base. And so I do think Jurison Profar is an interesting concept because of the flexibility it gives you uh, to put him at second base, to put him in the outfield, depending on the health the health of a Jimenez, uh, the defensive needs in that game, things like that. Question here from Alex on Twitter. I love this question. Let's send this via DM. Wanted to ask what the best way I believed to study prospects was. He's very interested in learning more about minor leaguers, but all these we've been looking at is like the MLB top 100 prospects on MLB Pipeline. And so like other mediums you would suggest me to look at, things he should be watching, reading, studying, etc. So one, you're doing great by listening to this show. I think that's a fantastic choice. But to me, there's a few things that you can do. Some of them are free, some of them are not. Uh, and you're right kind of starting off with the big names. You know, who are the top prospects? And then when you're looking at like the top 100 list, uh, kind of look to see if you can figure out why these guys are top 100. You know, and I'm assuming there's a... a a base of knowledge here about understanding the 20 through 80 scouting scale and what the five tools are and stuff like that. I'm, I'm assuming there's like a base of knowledge here. I think people listening to a prospect podcast probably know that. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I would say reading as much as you can from a, a diverse number of sources. So me, one of the places that I read a lot, it's a paid service, but I read a lot of Baseball America. Uh, something I know some of those guys over there, they do a lot of work. They put a lot of stuff into there, but to go along with Baseball America, I'm also reading what MLB.com puts out on MLB Pipeline, and then I'm looking at other prospect websites, Prospect 1500. Um, shout out to Scott Green and our friends over there. Uh, they do a lot of good work, as well as Prospects Live. They do good work as well. And then I've noticed that a lot of the, the fan sites, whether it's the SB Nation site, whether it's the Sports Illustrated site, whether it's the fan-sided site, uh, for usually for every team, one of the fan sites will have a really good prospect person. Or sometimes you'll find a website or, you know, that just focuses on that specific farm system. Uh, the Orioles have a site out there that, that I, I follow their Twitter account uh, and I read a lot of their stuff about Orioles prospects. The Royals have have somebody who does the Royals Farm Report, and it's just on Royals Prospects. So seeking out some of that stuff. And then I can't, I can't stress enough how useful MILB.TV is. The ability to drop, jump into a game and go watch specific players and actually see them with your own eyes. Granted, it's on video, it's not in person, but seeing them with your own eyes and being able to, to take the evaluation of a guy uh, you know, and you see that offensively they're concerned about the swing and miss that he has. Well, watch him and see if you can determine why he's swinging and missing. Is he swinging at bad pitches? Is he, does he have like super long levers and can't put it together? But just searching for more information to help explain 
why the things in the stat line and in the scouting report, like why those things are issues. Why are they there? Uh, help That kind of helps understand. And then for a lot of people, it's just find a specific niche that you love. Uh, Jake Mastriani, host of Locked on Braves, big shortstop guy, loves watching shortstops. Uh, he, he was a big fan of, of the position and how guys play it. And so he focuses on that to the fact where his Twitter handle is at shortstop ball. I like watching lefty pitchers. It's just as a lefty who used to be a pitcher, like that's a thing where I, I like watching lefty pitchers. And so you're going to have specific areas where you find you'll focus more. And then don't be afraid to, to go out and seek diversity of opinion. I try to get at least three different viewpoints on a player before I will write anything up or give them a grade. And it's, I want to see, like, I want to look at their stats. I want to see them in a couple games and I want to like read what at least two other places have said about this player. Cause I want to make sure that I'm on the same page as everybody else. And that if I'm way off, am I way off because I fundamentally missed something or am I way off because I got them on a, on a good day or a bad day, or are they underrated or overrated by the rest of baseball? So that's kind of, that's kind of where, how I do it. And just a minute, I want to get to some individual questions about individual players. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe. If you've thought about security in your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you'll want to listen up because right now, Locked on MLB Prospects listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is the biggest offer of the year. You do not want to miss it. I have Simply Safe in my home. I've had Simply Safe for years. And what I love about Simply Safe is it's entirely a do-it-yourself. As far as customizable, you pick and choose exactly what's in your house. You can add or subtract from the system later. You mount everything yourself. There's no holes to put in your wallet. The sensors all go up with command hooks, things like that. Incredibly simple, incredibly easy, and the app is very well designed. I can open, I can unlock and lock individual doors. I can check out the video rooms in my house. I can get alerts to my phone if the alarm is armed or disarmed, or if there's motion detected in a certain room from a motion sensor or a camera, any of that stuff. I can talk and talk to somebody at the front door when the doorbell rings and all of that. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And there's a, and it's not just me. They were named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report, and that is the third straight year they have won that award. They have 24-7 professional monitoring agents with Fast Protect technology that capture critical evidence and verify threats are real so you get priority police response. Hopefully you never need it, but if you need it, you will get priority response thanks to Simply Safe. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I will recommend. Get 50% off a new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB today. It's their biggest discount of the year. Do not wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay, uh, Don on YouTube asked a question about Ryan Clifford, outfielder for the Astros, who was drafted out of high school last year. What are realistic expectations for a 2022 prep draftee? Fantastic question. So uh, real quick on him, 2022 11th rounder uh, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Got in about 12 games in low A last year. So very small sample size here. 268, 412, 390. 10 walks to 15 strikeouts in 12 games. Hit one home run, three extra base hits. 
for somebody who was drafted in 2022, I think that is a perfect kind of stat line. He got into some games, didn't look completely overwhelmed. For me personally, uh, like a, a 2022 draftee, in 2024, I want to see them challenging or looking like they're about ready to move to double A. So I am prepared for them to spend two years in A ball. Uh, sometimes it takes more. Sometimes it takes less. It usually takes more. Uh, and then I want to see positive progress. So this is a small sample size, but like going into 2023, we got what we wanted out of this. He didn't look overwhelmed. Uh, he you know hit a home run, was walking almost as much as he struck out. I mean, good stuff here. I want to see progress in 2023. Because really, if you think about it, what you're working on your first year of professional baseball at age 19 is really adjust acclimating to the pro game, acclimating to the better quality pitching, acclimating to the much longer season, and the, like, the grind of being a professional ball player. So I'm not expecting blowing the doors off of anything in 2023, but I want to see positive progression. Um, for, a, for a young player like that, I'll typically look month to month, and I want to see as we get later into the season, is he getting better as far as, you know, uh, pitches seen per at-bat? Is his strikeout rate and walk rate, what are they doing? Uh, what's his power doing? And then defensively, like, how is he holding up over the course of a season? And that's usually something where you have to see him play. You can't necessarily just look at a stat line in baseball reference. But I want to see, are they acclimating to professional baseball well in that first year? And are they starting to improve on the things they want to see? You'll see a lot of swing and miss, especially on breaking pitches from recent prep draftees. That's fine. You won't see a ton of power, usually. That's something that develops a little bit later. That's fine. But I want to see physically, how are they developing? How are they holding up to the grind? And I want to see progress on a lot of those, like, you know, a lot of the things like plate discipline, uh, walk rate that we're looking for to figure out where they're going to be as a finished product. Uh, Jake on Twitter, a couple interesting questions here. First one, talking about college hitters, he asked about Matt McLean and Tyler Black and two prospects that have kind of gone different directions since they got drafted. So Matt McLean, 2021 first rounder out of UCLA by the Reds. Um, start kind of started off as like fourth or fifth prospect in the system, fell back to about seventh or eighth. I uh, just spent some time in the Arizona Fall League, but 103 games in double A this year, 232, 363, 453, 17 home runs, 43 extra base hits, 70 walks to 127 strikeouts in 103 games, 27 of 30 on stolen bases. I didn't, watching him, I didn't necessarily love his at-bats in Chattanooga or in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, still doesn't seem to be entirely comfortable at the plate. And I, 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 I question where the, the eventual power, uh, power is going to end up, but I do notice he seems to have a significant struggle when it comes to power against lefty. 17 home runs last year, 14 of them, 330 appearances against righties, three home runs and 122 at-bats against lefties. And so I'm already worried about the power ceiling, but doubly so I'm worried about the platoon issues for a lefty. He can hit fine, but the power production isn't necessarily there. And then the defense, I think, is only kind of just average. Uh, he's at shortstop now. I don't think he'll be 
at a shortstop at the big league level simply because there are better defenders than him. I could see him being moved to second base. He has some experience in college playing center field. I could see a possible move like that as well for the Reds, depending on where L.A. De La Cruz moves, uh, whether they try to put him in center field to take advantage of that arm or they keep him in the infield. Uh, Tyler Black, by comparison of the, you know, was drafted by the Brewers, 2021 first rounder supplemental out of Wright State, 64 games in high A last year, 281, 406, 424. Four home runs, 21 extra base hits, 45 walks to 44 strikeouts, and 13 and 19 on stolen bases. I think he's going to be, the goal, the goal here is to get to average defensively at second base. He's going to be an offensive first hitter, or offensive first player, and I think he'll be a better on-base guy than a power guy. Uh, speed is, is average to above average, uh, but he can, he can still get to a ball and get it out. Uh, you know, something thrown down or in. He does well with, pit, with, pit, with pitches both down in the zone and in on his body. I've noticed that seems to be a strength there of, him, of Tyler Black's. And then again, it's the goal is to get to average on defense. I think if he does that, you could see him probably a 24 guy. Um, you know, he spent 64 games at high A. I think he accomplished everything he needs to. He feels like a guy who would open at double A next year. And then from there, you're looking at, you know, if he spends 23 in double A with a brief triple A cameo, then he challenges for a a starting job out of spring training in 24. If he doesn't get it, goes to triple A, plays in triple A and comes up later that year. Kind of where he feels like to me. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.